20 minutes it is before 9 p.m. Now, the higher education sector is currently uh, uh, accepting new students as enrollment processes uh, continue in earnest after the metric results were announced last week. Now, uh, the big question we ask you this evening is, of course, the uh, state of readiness of the sector to accept uh, all of the students coming in and uh, many of those returning and uh, the plans for students who have uh, not necessarily been accepted yet and uh, some of the issues around student funding. And I'm joined uh, to discuss these ma matters, these very weighty matters, uh, by uh, Deputy Minister of Higher Education, Science and Innovation, uh, Deputy Minister Putima Namela. DM, good evening to you and welcome. Good evening, uh, Ayabonga, and also good evening to listeners. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us. Let's maybe start off on that point, uh, just around the readiness of the sector, uh, you would have uh, seen the metric results coming through, and uh, despite conditions of great uncertainty and difficulty, uh, the metric class of 2020 uh, putting out a very good showing, and many of them are going to go to the institutions that uh, you oversee. Well, what is the state of readiness and uh, some of the reports that you uh, are receiving from the different enrollment centers of our institutions? Well, firstly, we must say that we are quite impressed with... Uh what uh, all the institutions, both the universities and the TVET colleges, have been doing in terms of uh, registering uh, and, administer, I mean, and, and admitting students. Uh, most of the students have been, um, uh, you know, admitted. Um, the, the continuing students uh, have already started with their academic programs, uh, and some of the uh, new students are finalizing their registration. We're expecting that by next week, um, you know, the academic year 2021 will start in earnest um, and that uh, all the uh, students who have uh, applied to those institutions in time uh, and meet the requirements uh, for the qualification that they want to uh, register and that the institution has uh, capacity to be able to register those students, um, you know, that they will be uh, registered, um, you know, and that all the students who qualify for uh, NASFAS also, that the uh, decisions on their funding will also be uh, communicated in due time. I think both right. the minister and the NSFAS will be making a statement to that effect as soon as possible. And I really want to allay the fears of, uh, you know, uh, thousands of students out there who are uncertain that as long as they've met all the requirements, um, you know, they uh, uh, should, uh, uh, you know, uh, reduce on their anxieties. I understand I've been there, you've been there, all of us have been there, uh, you know, we're in this, uh, this level of uncertainty. But mm. the, the, um, uh, the effects of uh, uh, COVID-19, firstly, secondly, the fact that... Uh, we, uh, you know, had to release the metric results this late meant that uh, both the NSFAS and institutions had to mm -hmm. work overtime uh, and sometimes even clogging the system, uh, you know, to ensure that everyone uh, knows where they uh, stand. And, uh, you know, in the overall, we're quite impressed with what's happening in our institutions. Sure, sure. Now, now, DM. I mean, some of them would would, would um, I guess justifiably be anxious. I mean, if um, if they look at uh, what came out of the budget last week, um, and uh, I guess uh, commendable strides. I mean, if you look at uh, what NASFAS allocated in 2017-18 uh, compared to what they allocated in in the current financial year or the last financial year that we just left, um, you've seen a spectacular rise. I mean, just over 50% of the annual growth rate. But it does seem for the next three years or so that. Um, 
the growth rate of 1.5% might not necessarily be able to catch up, I guess, to, to the scale of the growth of people that might want to be enrolled into the sector and want to be beneficiaries of the student financial aid scheme. What do you make of that? And uh, is, is your assessment that, I guess, you know, there's enough of a resource envelope to deal with whatever surge might be anticipated in enrollments uh, over the next three years? Yeah. Look, Abonga, there's a multiplicity of challenges that we uh, have been confronted with. The first one being that, uh, you know, with with the COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of households have, uh, you know, lost income. There's been massive job losses. Uh, and in some instances, uh, you know, household income has been reduced and therefore has put families who uh, in the last uh, academic year or the uh, previous academic years who didn't qualify for NSFAS now, uh, given their financial position, they would want uh, assistance. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that, yes, there is, uh, you know, that growth in terms of numbers. The third thing is that um, there were massive cuts in terms of budget, including uh, our department. In fact, it's, it was one of those that have been mostly affected. About 19 billion rents have been cut from, uh, you know, uh, uh, our, our department. But what gives us confidence is the commitment by both Treasury and the Minister of Finance last week that, uh, you know, we will work uh, to ensure that uh, details on funding for new students will be uh, announced, uh, you know, in the medium-term budget statement that will be delivered later in the year. Um, and we are working with uh, with Treasury to make sure that we iron out the finer details as to where the money will be coming from, uh, you know, and all of that. Our uh, view is that in as much as there has to be uh, you know, uh, 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 restrained in terms of spending and cuts and all of that, given the uh, pressure on the uh, national pass, uh, you know, uh, areas such as education have to, make, uh, have to become a priority because it's investment into the future. And that's what economies all over the world are doing to uh, ensure that even if you cut on a whole range of other things, there are a set of priorities that are there uh, you know, which should remain uh, funded. So that's basically what we're working on. And I think that the emphasis by the Minister of uh, Finance last week that we will ensure that all students who meet the requirements uh, are funded, uh, you know, should, uh, you know, uh, uh, give us that confidence. So part of the discussion moving forward uh, as government and as, uh, as a country will have to be, uh, you know, what kind of priorities do we have to enter into as it relates mm. to the education of our uh, youth, uh, you know, and what kind of future priorities are we placing so that, uh, you know, our universities and our TVET colleges uh, get to uh, fund programs uh, of students which will help us in driving our economic priorities uh, as mm. announced by both the President and the Minister of, uh, of, uh, of Finance. Mm. Deputy Minister, we also saw last year, I mean, with, with the special adjustment budget um, that... Uh, the burden of adjustment, least of all in your budget vote, um, came out uh, through uh, much of the infrastructure provisions for the TVET college sector. Uh, so we saw some reductions last year, and uh, we're seeing, I guess, similar reductions in the next uh, uh, medium-term strategic period. I'm quite interested, I guess, in your perspective around uh, whether or not that's going to lead uh, to much greater prioritization uh, when it comes to, I guess, specialized learning. 
or uh, I guess there's an anticipation that some of that or some of those resources might be recouped from partnerships elsewhere? Uh, look, the, the uh, TVET uh, infrastructure has been under serious pressure, not only in terms of building new infrastructure, uh, but also in terms of maintaining existing infrastructure, and that has been our priority over the years. Um, you know, about four billion was announced last year, targeting specifically TVET infrastructure, and in the overall, about twelve billion, uh, you know, for the entire higher education, um, I mean, post school education and training uh, uh, sector, and that's where the uh, you know the the focus has been. And what this means is that we'll have to look at. Uh, you know what? Where do we really need these resources? Do we need them in uh, student housing? Do we need them in maintenance of existing infrastructure? Do we need to be building new, uh, you know, TVET colleges or uh, extend, uh, uh, you know, uh, infrastructure in the existing uh, TVET colleges? So those are the kind of pressures that we'll be, uh, you know, looking at in terms of infrastructure. Yes, uh, you know, the the national priority is. Uh, because of the uh, labor-intensive nature of, uh, uh, you know, infrastructure development. Therefore, the national priority has been to redirect resources towards infrastructure, maintenance, and development. So it's, mm. it's, it's, it is for us, uh, you know, a key area, um, you know, and, and whichever way uh, within which uh, we, we would want to uh, deal with it, uh, you know, it has to take that into consideration. And I must also okay. say that, uh, you know, the minister has set up an advisory structure uh, on, on um, uh, you know, on, on infrastructure management, which, uh, uh, you know, should be giving him a report on the kind of priorities that we want to look at uh, sure. in order to maintain and, uh, you know, introduce new infrastructure into the post-school education and training system. So it's something that's, uh, uh, you know, within our radar that we're really seriously looking okay. into. All right. DM, I want us to pause here for a second. We're going to take a quick spot break. When we come back, uh, I want us to talk about uh, the community uh, education sector and uh, some of the strides uh, that uh, you're making there and uh, some of the big plans there because we know that, you know, the universities and TVET colleges aren't the sum total of uh, this particular sector. There are other educational activities as well that we should shine a spotlight on. And then we'll also talk about R&D and uh, in particular whether or not I guess uh, we have the uh, capability here at home uh, to deal with the vaccine and we'll continue after that. education and training sector. And the reason being that, uh, you know, it caters for a whole range of uh, young people who uh, may not necessarily uh, have the prerequisites to enter universities and TVET colleges, but uh, importantly also to give them, uh, you know, a short-term training 
on skills that they will need to use in order to enter the labor market. Uh, but it also caters for um, uh, you know uh, young and older adults who are already at work or who are unemployed and who want to uh, you know uh, acquire a particular skill. Uh, and we see this as an important catalyst in dealing with the massive employment that's there. Uh, you know, in, 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 in our country. And we've really made, the minister has made this his major priority to ensure that uh, we redirect resources, we build the capacity, we work together with basic education and training in order to make, uh, uh, you know, community education and training colleges uh, uh, flourish. There has been challenges, undeniably. But, uh, you know, our vision as government is to ensure that the community education and training center is fully resourced, uh, I mean, uh, uh, it's fully resourced, but also, uh, uh, you know, it's, it, it becomes massive uh, in terms of the number of uh, students that, uh, you know, participate in the SEs now. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's minuscule compared to mm-hmm. where it should be, but also compared to uh, both the TVET and university sector. Remember that the, the uh, I mean, there was a... a, a, a a time where we dedicated most of our resources in improving the TVET college sector. And we believe that that kind of energy is what is needed for us sure. now in order to make a, a, you know, community education and training a success. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I guess, I mean, I mean, the other question is, is the interface and the linkages between that focus on community education and training and some of the training objectives of public employment programs, for instance, uh, which are, are seen as critical to this phase of the recovery that we find ourselves in EPWP, CWP, uh, and uh, broad, uh, mass social employment broadly defined? Well, most importantly, um, you know, that there is that link between uh, existing government uh, employment programs, but even beyond, um, you know, the, the lessons that we've drawn, particularly from countries around the continent and southern Africa in particular, is that, um, you know, you, you, you do not need uh, only to invest in uh, high-end qualifications at universities and TVET colleges. You also need to invest in, uh, you know, community colleges so that uh, not only for articulation purposes as a way in which people can enter the post-school education and training, but also for, uh, 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 you know, uh, immediate employment, even in the Mm. private sector, uh, or uh, with people who want to uh, pursue a private enterprise, meaning welders, bricklayers, plumbers, all of those, Mm. uh, you know, at an entry level, uh, and that we need all of those skills in a massive scale. So it's not only about what we do already with extended public works programs or community works programs, but it's Mm. also about the demand in the private sector for, uh, you know, such skills uh, in order for us to, uh, uh, you know, turn around the uh, unemployment crisis that we faced Mm. with as a country. Deputy Minister, you you were at BioVac earlier on today, part of that delegation, uh, alongside some of your colleagues in Cabinet. Um, And I I guess I'm quite interested in in that particular trip and your reflections on that in the context of some of the remarks that the Minister has made about using our own national system of innovation here and the institutions within that uh, to be able to produce our own vaccines, not just for, I guess, COVID-19 and the existing variants, but um, I guess any other... Uh, epidemiological crises that might affront us going forward? 
Oh, yes, yes. Uh, uh, firstly, the, the deputy president's visit today at BioVac, which is part of, uh, well, which is partly owned by government and falls under our uh, department. Uh, the intention was to um, look at whether, uh, you know, BioVac uh, is uh, uh, having the capacity to store uh, the the uh, the COVID-19 vaccine, particularly the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, and whether they are able to effectively distribute these up to the patient whilst maintaining the integrity of uh, uh, you know of the of the vaccine. So that's the first thing. But the second most important thing is we need to emphasize the uh, fact that we need um, uh, you know uh, vaccines as the best defense against serious illness and health. And we've been doing this over the years. If you look at, uh, uh, you know, uh, having reduced uh, morbidity and mortality of infectious diseases such as smallpox, polio, hepatitis B, measles, and all of those. Uh, so there's a strong history, a rich history uh, in South Africa of uh, not only manufacturing uh, vaccines, but also using vaccine. Mm. In fact, uh, almost every household has in one way or another interacted with vaccines. And I think we need to deal with the myth, myths that uh, are associated now with COVID, uh, uh, COVID-19 vac- vaccines that, you know, it, 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 it will uh, uh, give you COVID-19 and all of that, that all of that is, uh, uh, you know, hogwash. And we really want to encourage South Africans when their opportunity comes to go and vaccinate. And finally, we are, yes, developing the capacity to uh, create our own vaccines, store them, and also uh, distribute them uh, effect, uh, I mean, uh, uh, efficiently. And, and we're building on existing infrastructure and research uh, from the CSIR, and research that's been happening in most of our universities. Um, mm. You know, we, uh, some may not be aware that, uh, uh, you know, the most talk, talked about uh, new variant of COVID-19 was actually discovered here in the uh, I mean, in, 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 in our country based on mm. our research capacity and capabilities. And therefore, sure, um, sure. you know, we're growing our country skills and we hope that, uh, you know, with time for both COVID-19 and any future pandemics, we would be able to ultimately manufacture vaccines locally. We've done mm. that before and with, uh, for, sure. for various other uh, ailments. And we think that we can be able to do that with uh, uh, you know, with COVID-19, it will reduce, uh, uh, you know, uh, the the costs associated with this, but mm. it will also mean that, uh, you know, we can have vaccination uh, sovereignty as sure. a country uh, without dependence on other uh, uh, countries and mm. multinationals for them to supply us with vaccines. Sure, sure. Deputy Minister, we're going to have to leave it there. And uh, as always, a real pleasure catching up with you. We'll certainly watch that very closely. And uh, all of those strides, uh, both in the TVET space, NASFAS, community education and training, and uh, also, I guess, uh, some of the R&D around um, a potential vaccine, because uh, we do want to get to a point where we have our own sovereignty over decisions like that. Uh, so big thank you there to uh, Putimana Mela, Deputy Minister of Higher Education, Science and Innovation. It's